Welcome to the Real Journey Podcast. My name is Patricia and I am your host. This week, we are diving into another guest involved in the real estate industry, learning about their journey into and within the real estate industry. Each week, we have new guests from across the continent talking about their journey, their mindset, and how things have changed. Let's dive into this week's episode. The Homeowner Link app is now available for download in both the App Store and Google Play. The first of its kind, this handheld staging service allows both realtor and home stager to systemize and scale the staging and listing process while securing more business. Virtual staging consultations are at your fingertips. To download the app, head to Google Play or the App Store, type in the homeowner link and download. Now on to this week's guest. Welcome to the Real Journey Podcast. My name is Patricia and we speak all about the journey into and within the real estate industry. Today's guest is Jay Papazan. Jay is a best-selling author who serves as Vice President of Learning for Keller Williams Realty International, the world's largest real estate company. He is also Vice President of Keller Inc. and co-owner alongside his wife Wendy of Papazan Properties Group with Keller Williams Realty in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Jay. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hello. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, Jay? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Like this is always awkward for me talking about myself. Uh, I guess most people know me as an executive and a writer. I've been working at Keller Williams Realty International for, gosh, 21 years. Uh, before that, I was an editor at HarperCollins uh, in New York and relocated to Austin, Texas, where I got a job here at this little, it was a very small franchise company back then, about 6,700 agents. And today, we think we have over 180,000 in 50 countries. That's amazing. So it's been a fun journey. I've gotten to grow a lot along the way. And I've also gotten to be the co-author with Gary Keller on a number of books, in addition to leading various teams in the building, most recently the learning team. So that's kind of me in a professional nutshell. I'm also a real estate investor. I've made a few other side ventures and other businesses, training companies, and I'm happily married for 22 years to my wife, Wendy Papazan, who runs a big team. And we have two kids here in Austin that are both teenagers, which is lots of fun. That sounds amazing, an amazing life. Um, what really prompted you to enter the real estate industry to begin with and move from HarperCollins into, um, to Keller Williams? Uh, it wasn't a choice, really. We moved, we left New York to leave New York City. Mm. So when we got married, we put our stuff in um, storage, we knew that that was a transition point and that if we wanted to travel, both Wendy and I love to travel, that this was an opportunity. So we couch surfed for a little while and had everything in a very cheap storage unit. We didn't have a lot because in New York City and your apartment so small, you can't have a lot. Mm-hmm. But we sold off what furniture we had and put all of our precious stuff in a storage container. And then we went backpacking for a little over five months and I guess Italy and the Mediterranean and Northern Africa as a way to kick off our wedding. And we decided where we wanted to live next. We knew that we wanted to leave New York. And I assumed that leaving New York, I was leaving big publishing behind because there's not much of it or there wasn't back then outside of New York. And uh, I guess I had three different companies I was interviewing for. And my original job here was as a newsletter writer Mm. um, at KW. So it wasn't so much a choice of, real estate. I kind of stumbled into that. I was just looking for a writing or an editorial job here in Austin, Texas. That's amazing. And how have you developed from that initial job with Keller Williams to where you are today? Has there been a major shift that you've had to overcome in order to grow into the role, into the person you are today with Keller Williams? Gosh, there's a 
there's a million lessons there. Um, one of the first things that comes to mind, because I'm going to be teaching a class on wealth building soon, is working with Gary Keller and Mo Anderson. You know, back then there were only 27 employees, and one of them was Gary Keller, and one of them was Mark Willis, another one was Mo Anderson. Like we're all in this little tiny building that didn't have great air, AC back in 2000. Is that I started to understand that your growth as a professional is not always measured in salary and titles. Um, none of them cared so much about that. Um, they understood that growing wealth was about asset ownership. And I got some really great lessons in that very early on. And it really changed my mindset about where, what wealth meant. It wasn't about your salary or your income. It was about passive income. So that was one big mental shift that really changed the trajectory of our family's life. And the other one was just this perspective on what it means to grow. And basically it just means you have to fail a lot and learn from your failures. And so I think if one thing that has kept me here, um, I think 2019 was a really extraordinarily rough year for my wife and I. There's a lot of things that I could go into. We had death, we had illness, we had personal surgeries, we had defections from our teams. It was just a rough year. I mean. 2020 was horrible, but I, I felt like we'd already come through the fire by the time we got to it. Mm. And I remember reflecting with Wendy, so many, any one of the 10 things that happened to us in 2019 might have knocked us out of the game back in 2000. Um, and there is a muscle and it's the muscle that you use to get up off the ground when you've been knocked down. And if you use it a lot, it gets really strong and you get more resilient. And I do think that that resiliency and understanding that a lot of big success is really surviving and learning from messy failures uh, was a really big part of that journey. So those, those are my first two ahas, but like we can dissect all the crappy decisions I've made as a manager, as a leader, as a writer, and we'll have learned, we, we could go much more uh, specific on a lot of the, the bruises and bumps along the way. But if you survive them, right? And you learn from them. That's the part that most people don't add. It's not just surviving them. You have to learn from them so you can change it in the future and then you're growing. Yeah. Can you dive in a little bit on that resilience piece that you were speaking about? How does one grow that, that concept of resilience into their life? Um, do you have any tips on how someone can become more resilient and pick themselves back up when they're owning a new business or when they're going through a journey where they think that there's no end in sight? How did you grow that resilience and any tips that you can provide? Well, I had a, I had a really wonderful tailwind and that I had a partner in my wife, Wendy, right? So like I said early on, we've been married for 22 years and you know, we've helped carry each other through the roughest parts. And so that's been very important to have um, a partner, uh, a friend, you know, in my case, a spouse that you can rely on. And I also had a good partner in Gary Keller. Um, he didn't do a lot of the lifting up, but he did a lot of encouraging. So I'll just admit that I had a couple of advantages that maybe everybody else doesn't have individuals like that around them. Uh, but the takeaway would be to surround yourself with people who are on the same journey or who've been down it farther than you, because they'll be the first to tell you is this is survivable. You can make mm -hmm. it through this. And at some point you also just have to believe it. Um, I don't know, Patricia, if you've read the book by Angela Duckworth, Grit. I have, yes. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool exploration into that essential ingredient that really does make a difference for a lot of people. And to me, that's resilience and perseverance are all bound up in grit. Grit's just a much cooler word. Mm-hmm. Um, Sisu, as the Finnish would say, right? It's that ability to just keep grinding. So it is a muscle. You know, my son is a rower. And every time he goes to practice, he's building that muscle. It's the, the muscle that allows you to kind of push further. So I think there's just lots of ways. I think surround yourself with the right people. You have to learn to adopt the right mindset and maybe you have to practice it. You know, my son does, uh, you know, rowing. My wife and I have been for over 10 years getting up very early to work out together. And we have a trainer that pushes us, right? So a coach, right? A trainer is just another kind of coach that pushes you to, to explore your limits. And uh, I think all of those are things that add up. And then some of it's just life. Like sometimes you don't think it's like, wow, I'm not going to survive this. But like one of the things I was talking to my wife, this is in 2019, she was driving back from Houston and a car threw a big rock and hit her windshield and smashed her windshield. Mm. And that was one of the things that triggered the conversation. I was like, I can remember right back in 2000 or 2001 where that would have been the, the hallmark of our whole week. We would have talked about, oh, and then our windshield got blown out. And it's just on the journey. You just realize that, okay, that's going to be an inconvenience. I'm going to have to schedule someone. These days, they can do it in the parking lot while you're in the office or in the house. And yes, it is a few hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And you learn from it. So anyway, I, I don't know how helpful that is, but there's a few takeaways in there. Um, I definitely Absolutely. think surrounding yourself with the right people and adopting the right mindset is are probably at the top of the list though. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I would love to dive in a little bit, um, if you're willing, about the relationship with your wife and how um, I know that you're both very immensely successful in where you are today. And how have you guys grown together? What did that look like in your relationship? Um, and what kind of challenges did you have to overcome in that in order to grow to where you both are today? Well, if we are remembering here, like uh, if you say that we're both really successful, by my definition, that just means we failed a lot more than other people. So mm-hmm. just bear that in mind uh, if I'm going to adopt that moniker. I do think that some of our success and our ability to keep moving forward and achieving some of the things that we really thought mattered um, has been all about communication. So uh, we're very public about it these days, uh, but for, I guess it's going on 14 or 15 years, we've been going on an annual goal setting retreat and that's become kind of a foundational piece for us. And that process started with Wendy just downloading a bunch of questions about having a healthy marriage from the internet. When we had two small kids, we had two kids 16 and a half months apart. So having two kids in diapers will test your relationship uh, early on and your ability to do without sleep. So we were in that place right in the trenches and we went on that retreat for a little cabin in Wimberley. Uh, Wendy, I used to think it was at a hotel downtown. I think that was year two. We've debated which one was year one because we were all we were pretty bleary-eyed back then and, and sleep-deprived, but uh, we just went and we asked the questions and it was uncomfortable, but we got closer. And over the years, as she's an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an employee and our world gets more complicated, we now have um, kind of a stronger sense of what our core values are for each of us. Those core values help us direct. We cast goals going out someday and five day, like we talked about in the One Think book. 
So we have like, I've got them written down. They're in my notebook. I've got to carry them around with me everywhere I go. What were the things that we want to accomplish in the next five years? And specifically, what do we want to accomplish this year? And we use the framework from the one thing on uh, page 114. It's the only page I've memorized of the U.S. edition. They're the seven circles, your spiritual life, your physical health, your personal life. And we kind of use that as a jumping off point to set long range goals and annual goals. And it takes us a few days to pull it all together, if I'm being honest, and sometimes a few weeks of prep these days because our world just keeps expanding. But that investment, what is really important to you in the future and in right now um, has really helped us stay in alignment. And for about four years, we've been facilitating a goal setting retreat that we host through the one thing business. And the number one uh, fear a lot of other couples have going in is that they're going to discover that they're moving in opposite directions. And my response to that, if people are hearing this as a suggestion and going, there's no way I'm going to do that, because it scared the crap out of me, if I'm being honest, the first few times, mm-hmm. is if you don't know you're moving apart, there's no opportunity for you to bridge that gap. But if you know that someone has to lean into a place that you're not going to be able to get as close to as they are, then you can start building in some time to really make this relationship stronger in other areas. I think it's inevitable that people go in and out of deep relationship. I don't think it's some you know, movie where you just fall in love and it's all perfect, right? There's lots of ups and downs and you're, you're, you move in and out of this intimacy, but the process of really sharing what's important to you at really important milestones and where you wanna go and asking the question, how do we do this together? In some years, I've had to move my goals back so that hers could take the, you know, the center stage because it took both of us to make it happen and vice versa. And the longer you do that, the more trust you build that the other person will be there to help you when you need it. And that my goals and her goals are not mutually exclusive of one another, even when they don't perfectly align. So that's a pretty complicated answer. But we have a guide. I think it's called a kick-ass guide to a goal-setting retreat that's absolutely free. You can download from the website. And hundreds and hundreds of people have emailed us and told us that they've done it. And some people have just flat out said to save my marriage or Mm. to save my relationship because it's not something anybody teaches us to do. But you're a business person. I'm a business person. You know, big companies, they, they rent a spa and they take their executives, they go out, they get out of their home, they go to some place where they're not worried about dogs and folding clothes and mowing the grass and they focus on their future and they do it together. It is a mm-hmm. best practice in business, right? To step away from your business and work on it instead of in it. And we've tried to do that for our family life as well. That's amazing. My husband and I actually did your goal setting retreat and it was, um, it was transformational in learning the core values. Yeah. It was the core values. What were like my biggest takeaway in that I never actually sat down before. And we never looked at what our core values are and it comes up all the time in our conversation of, Oh, I understand you more now because that's your core value. I understand why you're doing that because that's your core value. So it's so transformational, highly recommend your goal setting retreat. It was amazing. So like my core values were family impact and abundance. And Wendy's is, I think, leadership, especially women making a difference and adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, the making a difference for her and the impact are where we absolutely align. Mm-hmm. And uh, we each have to kind of help each other carry the torches. But it was really interesting, you know, to find out that so much of what she wanted 
was being informed by those core values. And so much of what I wanted was being informed. And so just that discussion mm-hmm. of discovery, it's actually really interesting. It's not exactly like the old Cosmo quiz or like a personality test, but yeah, you know, your spouse will also call BS if you're imposing something out there that you're not living. They yeah. can at least ask, is that aspirational? Or is that really what's driving the decisions? And sometimes yeah. that's, that's a part of that process too. So I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing uh, opportunity for sure. Um, what drives you to reach for more every single day in your business and in your life? You're a national best-selling author. You're a business owner. What keeps you going? Impact. Hmm. I'll tell you that today it's impact. We've Over the years, we've been working hard and long to try to reach certain financial milestones for our family and our future. And we've kind of passed through those goalposts, you know, uh, for the most part. And we had to ask the question, you know, like, do we just want to keep the pursuit of more? Um, And that's why at one point, one of my values wasn't abundance, it was wealth. And because it was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, I know I've written books about it and I like to teach it. And wealth to me is about financial freedom, not just money. And I changed that to abundance. And one of the reasons we would want to continue to grow our business is because it creates opportunity for the people in the business. Mm. One of the reasons we can continue to grow our wealth is every year we raise more money and we write bigger checks for charity so we can have an impact. It always comes back to impact for me. So I do think that if you're working for a dollar sign, you'll hit it and you'll stop working. And you need to find something that will push you to grow over time. And I'll tell you, like hearing about your retreat, getting letters from people, um, writing books is a horrible way to make a living. It's very hard and it's very small margins and there's a lot that's up to chance, but the impact will keep you in the game. And you'll, I mean, we've written 11 books and we've had two breakouts. We've had some other successes, but two of them are true breakout books. They're not all successes. Right. And they're all a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just have to, you have to find that reason. And I think most people have it inside them. And yeah. if they look backwards, they'll find it. Maybe they have something to prove to themselves and the world. Um, there can be positive or negative reasons. And I usually encourage people, if you've got a chip on your shoulder, try to substitute that for a carrot, <laughs> something that's more positive. Cause over time, there's nothing more motivational at times than a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, to show someone an ex, an ex boss, right? Or other kinds of exes that you were better than they thought. That's actually where Gary started his journey. Wow. And it has to transform into something bigger and better so that you can have a pot. I mean, I believe you need a positive reason to keep pulling yourself forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you manage it all being family as one of your core values and in abundance and impact? How do you manage it all, having that family time, that business, the author, all of your opportunities that you have, uh, you're working on right now? Poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Someday, especially these last couple of years, uh, someone interviewed us for a parenting book. And I was like, if you'd interviewed us in 2018, we probably would have been a lot more enthusiastic instead of just feeling (laughs) guilty in our answers, because there's lots of things that we don't do well, but we have done some things well. Like we have used the framework of our goal setting retreat to try to create either habits for ourselves personally or rituals for our family. So for, gosh, as long as my kids have been alive, we've kind of made it an institution to have dinner at the table with the TV off. 
mm-hmm. read lots of research that that's Powerful. just an opportunity every day to have a conversation, um, to express things that need to be expressed. Again, communication is really important. And Friday nights, we got to have movie night. And as my kids became teenagers, like picking a movie became a battlefront. So that's, <laughs> that happens less frequently. But for you know at least 12 years, we had rituals. We read together. We did certain things together. And so we looked for those moments where we could consistently provide a platform, a framework, a role model to demonstrate how those things work. And probably the, the area where we're least good, because Wendy and I both enjoy what we do for a living, and we do lean into our work a lot, is fun. Uh, I wouldn't, Wendy is adventure. She's far more playful than I am. Um, when I'm done, I like to curl up with a good book or watch a movie. I like to go into a cave or out into mm-hmm. nature, right? Uh, she likes to throw a party. But uh, we do travel. That is something we've really tried to show our family the world on our spring breaks and summer vacations. And we've set ambitious goals to, while they're still under our roof, you know, show them that there's a lot more to this world than just Austin, Texas. Mm. And uh, I remember my first journey abroad and how it really opened my eyes, not just to the world, but to my own hometown. I got perspective. And so we've tried to do some things like that. Um, And, you know, I would give us a, an A for effort. And depending on which month you ask me, we've either got a D minus or a B plus. We're definitely not A plus, even though it's a value. Um, Doesn't mean you're great at it. I think we're all on a journey. I've gotten better. I will hopefully get better and better at it. It gets, I don't say it ever gets easier, but the work gets different as your children get older. And I think I'm going to be a better parent to adult children in some ways than I was to young children. Mm. Um, if they ever become adults from teenagers, which some days I doubt. Well, it sounds like you're doing the best you can. And that's all we can ask for as parents is to do the best we can and give them the opportunities um, that, that they deserve, right? So that's amazing. Hey, did you know that the Homeowner Link app is now available for download? Head to the App Store or Google Play to download the app. Our mission is to connect home staging companies and real estate sales representatives together to grow scalable businesses and to make more profitable transactions. Now back to this week's episode. Um, What do you think has been your biggest challenge since you've entered the real estate industry and started working with Gary Keller? Uh, I'm an introvert. I think there's like hands down, that's the biggest obstacle I have faced day in and day out is that I, I prefer to do things solo. I prefer to do things quietly and introspectively. And this is an inherently social industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for our businesses, you know, to lead generate, you gotta, gotta reach out. And so that's been something that I've had to fight off and on um, to be a leader, right? I have to, had to get comfortable having sometimes confrontational, you know, conversations. If you're holding your job is to hold the standard and to help people grow, Those, but that can involve a lot of um, uncomfortable conversations that someone who's naturally an introvert might not think that they're very good at. I have to speak, I have to go on big stages. So there's, there's been a journey in multiple fronts around how to be a leader, how to be a speaker, how to be a public figure, right? How to be uh, a good example, right? Where we try to live what we preach for best practices while being an introvert. Yeah, that's a big challenge. I, I have the same challenge myself being an introvert and stepping out there in front of 
the camera, the microphone, whatever it is. What's your greatest accomplishment since entering the real estate industry with Gary Keller or just in your entrepreneurship journey as well? Uh, my biggest professional accomplishment, I mean, one, I just like, I think my marriage, I think that our marriage is healthy. Uh, it's a lot of work. And I even told my kids, like I got, you know, domino tattoos, the first domino. And I've got, I, I, I violate my own rules. My first domino is going to be my first hat I have to wear as husband. My second is father. Mm. And um, I just kind of, we made a decision uh, that I've seen a lot of people get divorced when they become empty nesters because they made it all about the kids. And we just chose, can we role model this relationship and, you know, they tease me a little bit about being number two, but that, that is a big deal for us in our personal life, right? Yeah. Just trying to make those things work, even with all the failure that comes with it. My professional relationship uh, is probably going to be the, the one thing, the book. Yep. You know, that book has gone around the world. You know, we're, gosh, you know, the 2 million copies and 50 countries and translations or 41 rather. It's a uh, it's become that thing that opens a lot of doors for us. Yeah. Um, it sets expectations maybe unreasonably high at times, but it's, uh, it's definitely been what everybody dreams for. And I'll just make no bones about it. Both it and the millionaire real estate agent, which have sold over a million copies each, right? They, uh, they, they both won, they won a little bit from luck, right? I think that you timing finds you in some ways. And mm -hmm. we were smart enough to jump on it when we realized that we had tapped into something that was very important. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the book. Um, we have both the books here and I'm wanting, wanting to know what really prompted you to write the one thing um, and then co-author the, um, the millionaire real estate agent. Was there something, I know that you worked at Harper Collins. Was there something that was calling you into becoming an author or was it something you stumbled in and what's kind of the reason you wrote those books? Um, so going into, let's start with the one thing, the yeah. one thing came from an essay, you know, for many, many years as re in regards to lead generation, you know, Gary has advocated, you know, started with two hours a day, then it became three hours a day, then it became four hours a day, just larger and larger amounts of time. He would advocate that real estate business people advocate to their number one priority, which is having customers. And we were writing a course. I was doing my first or second tour of duty with our Keller Williams learning team. And it was about kind of growing your solo business to big enough, 36 transactions is the number we picked to be able to afford your first full-time employee as an assistant. And Gary wrote an essay to go in the front of that called The Power of One. Mm -hmm. And we met on a Monday to review the essay and I, I said, this could be a book. And he said, I thought the same thing. And that sparked a conversation, I believe in 2008, uh, where we started outlining and preparing to write the book, a book about focus. And then the great recession happened and we got distracted and wrote another book called Shift, but then went back and wrote the one thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but it was about a five-year journey from start to finish on that book. But it just came from a principle that Gary was already living, which is as someone who's been in publishing a long time, ideas are great, but like we could really, like I really do believe that when Gary has accomplished the most and he is an incredibly accomplished individual, you know, he has been, you know, founded the Keller Williams. He's basically a self-made billionaire at this point um, and impacted, you know, millions of lives at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, 
his great asset, he, while he's smart and hardworking and all of those things you expect, is that he's willing to spend more time figuring out what the real priority is. And when he figures it out, he will starve everything else for attention until that thing is done. Hmm. So I do think that is a superpower and it just, it's, he's perfectly authentic. Now, mm-hmm. does he live it every day? Heck no, nobody can. But he ju- does on the big stuff. And so many of our, our accomplishments as a team, as individuals, we can point back and say, that's the root cause. So I love that from a publishing standpoint, it was very authentic. We had a lot of evidence that it worked. And then we just really went out and looked for the research. So did mm-hmm. you want to do the origin story of MREA to the millionaire real estate agent too? Is that the other one? Yeah, sure. Let's do that one. Okay. Uh, Gary wrote about that. I don't think it actually made the cut for the, the one thing, but in the summer of, or the January of 2002, the company, um, it's growth. We were growing as a company, Keller Williams was, but we were not very uh, popular among the most successful agents. So Gary asked a question of his executive team, said, what's, what's, what's the thing that we can do? that will make us a uh, significant to the top producers in our industry. And they got post-it notes and they literally put, he wouldn't let them stop until they had hundred ideas on the wall. And one of them was for Gary and our co-author Dave Jinks to write a book on mega success. Mm. And so they ended up trying to pursue five or six of those, but the one that actually happened was MREA. Yeah. And I heard about Gary working on the book I think in June of 2002, I bumped into him, uh, washing hands in the bathroom and asked him about it, reminded him that I'd worked in publishing before. He invited me into his office and pitched me a vision for 13 books, one of which was The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and asked me how many copies I thought it would sell. And I told him generously that it might sell 50,000 copies, which is the average book back then would sell maybe 1500 copies. Today, it's more like 150 because there's so much competition. Yeah. So that was a huge number. And uh, we wrote the book in about three months. That was a first test of how focused you can be for a really serious endeavor. Um, and we published it in January of 2003, self-published it and sold over 100,000 copies the first year. So uh, that's kind of the origin story there. It, it was a product of many masterminds. They had, they had taken the, number, the top producers in our company, which were not that many and not that high, and just started asking the question, what would it take to net a million dollars from a real estate business? Mm. And then tried to factually document what that looked like. So anyway, it was a really interesting process. I was learning to be a writer. I was more of an editor. And it was like to collaborate with Dave Jinks and Gary Keller at that time. What a gift. Yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible. One of, um, one of my favorite sayings that I'm constantly telling myself is no risk, no reward. What's one of the riskiest things you've done and how has it paid off? <laughs> when you say risk, like I ran with the bulls, I jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> okay. Paid off. I didn't die. <laughs> Good. So there are dumb <laughs> risks that I've taken. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm a considered risk taker, but yes, I did jump out of an airplane, but I did lots of research about, you know, the odds of my dying from something like that. I did not around the running with the bulls. That was just pure foolishness as a teenager. Mm. But uh, I remember the first time we got, you know, we turned one of our existing homes into a rental property 
And I'm a scaredy cat. One of the first things I see is how something could fail. That's like the editor in me. I see all of the, the problems that have to be fixed, not the opportunity. And I'm a little bit skeptical by nature. So I remember we saved up something like five or six months of mortgage payments before we would put that house on the market just so that we would feel secure. Mm. And so I guess we call it black hatting. There's a book called The Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono that we all read as a team back in the early 2000s. And we still talk about. He recently passed away, I believe, Dr. de Bono. But the black hat is the person who sees how a project might fail. And they can be a real wet blanket in a meeting, right? With a bunch of optimists. Yeah. And they're always the ones who say, but what about? And they're very important because if you aren't clear-eyed about the obstacles you'll face, you won't be prepared to face them. And that is really kind of how I approach all big challenges. I ask the question, I can live with the upside. Can I live with the downside? And how do I mitigate that as much as possible? And if I have a plan B and a plan C for kind of the worst case scenarios, I usually will walk out and feel very confident. And I, that just shows up everywhere in my life. You know, preparation um, leads to preparedness and preparedness leads to confidence. And mm. when I was first speaking, public speaking, I, I was terrified. Um, I don't throw up. That's one of the quirks about me. Like even when I have food poisoning, I just can't do it. I don't know. It's a horrible thing. But like, I think I would in the beginning, back when I would have to walk on stage in front of a thousand yeah. people, I would really feel sick, but not just almost be paralyzed. And I discovered that for every hour I had to be on stage, if I spent four hours preparing, a lot of that fear went away. Hmm. And so that just became a rule. I don't know if it works for anybody else, but I knew kind of four X, four hours of practice and preparation for one hour on stage. And I would look like someone who was a lot more confident than he appeared. And that I could give you example after example after example. Uh, but for me, it's all on the front end. If I can put in my homework, learn about it, understand the downsides, have a few plans to mitigate it, I'll take what a lot of people would think is a risk. But I'm like, that's not risky. I've already analyzed it. Yes, mm. the worst could happen, but I've got a plan for that. Mm. So planning, planning is how you mitigate the risk. That's amazing. Yeah. There's a great for, book out there. Have you read Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke? I have not heard of that one. I'll have to check that one out. So she was a world series of poker player and uh, I have a good friend, Billy Murphy, who's also, he talked about, he's got a very, very popular essay called Millionaire's Math. And for him, it's about just the clear eyed decision-making. And when you understand the odds of success and failure, you know that there are times that you have to go all in, in life mm -hmm. and in business. Um, poker is a little easier. You can go just get more chips, right? It's not the same thing, but you don't go all in. And like his whole thing is like in poker, you can, you can make a move that you, you end the game on. You just never do that in life, right? You, you just can't put all your chips on the table. You've mm -hmm. got to be able to come back and fight another day. But there's, there's some great tricks out there for helping people who don't naturally think skeptical. There's frameworks that you can adopt that help you look at, well, I've got a 50% chance of doubling my money or a 10% chance of losing it all. What do I do? Yeah. And it, there's frameworks for navigating that that are out there for people who don't naturally like spreadsheets like I do. 
That's amazing. I love that. Um, so Jay, from everything I've heard, I know big things are in store for you. So what is next on your goal list to achieve? Um, we're building a, a business around the one thing and we've really started to ramp that up. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that I'll get to write at least three more books with Gary. I'd really like for that business to continue to grow at the rate it's grown for the last five years. I think the next five years, it could make a real impact on the world if we do it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I are just very focused on a legacy, mm. right? We're trying to figure out how do we take some of the success and the wealth that we built and get a foundation. You know, we take care of her family, my family, our kids. Like we want to set, I don't want to have like trust fund kids. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you know how, what a gift if maybe their down payment for their first house was taken care of. Yeah. Right. So that they could be on a homeownership journey instead of renters when they were married, if they could have money that would help them not be incredibly indebted in college. Those are the sorts of things we're thinking about for our family. Yeah. Not driving. I mean, I'm driving a 10 year old Highlander. Okay. Like we are not materialistic that way. Yeah. Um, but it's legacy stuff a little bit. And, uh, for me, the biggest impact I can make is going to be, can I write a few more books with Gary? And we recently agreed that I will be able to write a few books in our partnership. I'd like to do it with him, even if his name's not on the cover. So my wife and I are, are exploring a project where we could take our idea of a goal setting retreat and put it in a book. Mm. again we know that it works and it has an impact different components and a book is a great vehicle for taking an idea and spreading it around the world yeah amazing amazing what is one piece of advice you would offer anyone entering entrepreneurship um, in general you know we call it upgrading your five uh i'm just going on instinct here right that's the first thing that comes to mind that nothing is more powerful than upgrading the people you spend the most time with how they think see the world will really change the way you do and it comes from that quote from jim Rohn, right you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with yeah and so we usually encourage people to just ask an honest question you know who are the five people that have the most influence on their mindset and perspective on life and what would it take to maybe switch out. It doesn't mean you have to stop loving, you know, your uncle or somebody, right. Or a friend that's your fishing buddy. It just means that you're going to start being purposeful and spending time with people who are farther down a road that you would like to go down. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that it's funny for an introvert who likes books. I mean, look behind me, I, I, I'm surrounded by them. Mm-hmm. My first question is almost always who, who's Amazing. been down this path. Um, I've found that people who have gone before us are are often very generous with their time, as long as we're willing to at least try the things that they recommend. We don't even have to be successful. You know, I read that book you recommended. It didn't really speak to me. Is there anything else, right? Not every idea that they share is going to work, but having a few mentors or partners, peer partners to go on the journey is so incredibly important. That's amazing. Well, Jay, thank you so much for all your insight today. Really appreciate hearing your stories and everything that you had to share with us. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for being so prepared and asking such great questions. Thank you so much for joining the Real Journey podcast and listening to our amazing guest. We upload new episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we are back with another real estate professional listening to their journey. 
If you'd like more information on The Real Journey Podcast, you can head to our website, www.thehomeownerlink.com, and listen to all of our episodes. As well, we are available on all the podcast platforms. The Homeowner Link app is now available for download. For more information, head to www.thehomeownerlink.com or check us out in the App Store and Google Play. Until next week, bye. Bye.